Well, we're very excited to introduce you back to the Right for the Stage podcast. Um, we have Stephanie Moore with us, who's going to be talking about The Hive and the piece that she wrote at the Greater Manchester Fringe Festival this year mm-hmm. called Blue Lines. And we're very, very excited to have our um, VIP You heard his voice. He's back. Mr. Hornby is back with us. We're, we're very excited to say. So, um, Mr. Hornby, what have you been up to since we last saw you? Oh, well, I've been... Um getting back into the wonderful world of teaching. So I've been teaching, um, I've been teaching Introduction to Drama and I've been teaching Theatre Industry where we oh, teach wow. people about how to write reviews and how oh, to ooh, blog that's good. That's useful. do podcasts mm. and write press releases oh, wow. and yeah. programme notes and oh, wow. all that kind of stuff. And they asked you back after last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know, and we actually, we, we look at some of my work, which is hilarious. Oh God. So <laughs> you have to give everyone like kind of yeah, amphetamines to stay away from the lesson. If you want to be brought down, just give students your, your published reviews to go to class and they will tell you what they think. Oh right. wow, really? Yeah, wow. which is healthy, I think that's very yeah, good. Yeah, to me, to, therapy. Yeah, once a yeah. year you go back and, and, and look at how it should actually be done. Does anyone and then you look at all the crap you've written during the year and go, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> so does, does anyone, is there anyone ever honest? What do you, do you mean in terms, of, <laughs> in terms of the feedback? Being nice or nasty? Yeah. I, think, I think the feedback is quite um, open. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get a full range of feedback on my work, oh, which wow, is good. Wow. I encourage. Wow, that's brave, isn't it? Mm. No, it's fine. We're all, but, but but that's part of what we do, isn't it? We're yeah. all very part of. I think part of our training as writers is to be very used to giving people, you know, getting lots of feedback, yeah, getting, yeah, yeah. getting stuff, yeah. getting lots of comments, not taking it personally, yes. not being defensive, seeing it all as learning. Mm. Reserving the right to disagree, yes. sometimes with things, but, you, but that's, yeah, that's all of it's good. Yeah. I think all of it's good. I don't mind. I don't mind them tearing stuff apart. I just sit there laughing. I, I <laughs> just thinking your mark has just got it down. Looking at who's like what, taking two percent off by a mark. I remember about oh god, it was ages ago, about fifteen years ago, and we did, I was in a production of Cabaret at the Union Theatre. You know the one that used to be under the arches in Southwark. It's now okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was playing Sally Bowles, and it was wow. really, it was lovely. It was a really nice production. And then we had to have our first night, and it was uh, Nicholas de Jong <gasps> came to review it, and it was in the Evening Standard. And I was like, this is fine. Um, and we were really happy with the show. And then I was on the tube the next day, and uh, I hadn't looked at the papers because I was like, I've got to go and do it again tonight, so I'm not going to look. And then um, the guy next to me, because this is that long ago that people were still reading the Evening Standard on the, on the tube, he opened it, and there was a, a picture of me, and then there was the review. And it sort of, I saw my name, and then the first sentence next to it started with, Although no singer, she can. I was like, never going to read that review then. Thank you very much, Nicholas. That's bitchy, isn't it? Although no singer. There we go. So, you know, that was it for me, basically. It should be on my CV. Although no singer. So you've obviously had a big career before you came to writing, (laughs) or has writing always been part of what you've been doing as a creative practitioner? Um, It's always been part of it, but it's not until, I would say, in the last two years, something that I took seriously. So I trained at drama school um, and then I went into acting for about six or seven years after that um, and, and were you based mostly in London or London, touring? London at the time um, with the occasional I, um, I went and worked at Salisbury I went and worked at Sheffield did bits and pieces um, but just couldn't um, the, I suppose like a lot of people who act, the reality of the career was very different to what I <laughs> wanted it to be when I was at drama school, which sounds so arrogant, but I just I just didn't take to it. I wasn't somebody who could perform in auditions, I'd overwork it, overthink it, um, and the writing at that time would be very much just something that I would I'd journal, just basically to kind of try and keep my head clear. Um, Mostly so, writing about your own experience, or creative not creatively so much as just writing just as a, um, an escape, as a bit of an outlet. Yeah. Um, never something that I really thought I would take seriously, but I imagine maybe quite a few actors maybe think that, because I know there's quite a few actors now who write either as a replacement to acting or alongside their own acting careers to, to kind of generate give work. Give some work, yeah. some yeah. work, yeah. Um, write your own great part. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and that Fleabag. was... Fleabag. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Fleabag, yeah. right? Yeah, she's brilliant. I, was, I saw that. I saw the National Theatre on oh. the you know on the cinema. Did it live up to? Yeah, really, really good. Did. Really good. 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I ought to introduce you because, oh, no, because nobody, you know, I, I just said, oh, this is Steph. We've got off straight away. She's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the very well, professional singer. approach we have to our po- podcast, um, we should be doing this at the beginning, but never mind, we'll do it now. Could so you this, introduce me with Although No Singer, please? Although No Singer, <laughs> Stephanie Moore has become a very um, accomplished writer. Um, so, um, so Steph. So every year at the Greater Manchester Fringe Festival, we run. Well, no, actually, it's not every year. It was only, it was the first year. Yeah. It was yeah. first time this year. Yeah, but hopefully, we'll be bringing it back. Um, so, watch this space. There's funding for more, isn't there? Well, we, we well, I'm in the process of applying for it. So, yeah, no, hopefully there will be. So there probably won't be. Then. There probably won't be. No, no. <laughs> You're in charge. It'll be I know, yeah. Well, I, I did it last time. <laughs> you did you did it last year, didn't you? Well, I, I don't and thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, so Steph applied for the Hive. So the Hive was um, Greater, Greater Manchester Fringe Festival's first um, kind of foray, if you like, into curating work. Foray, that's quite a camp word. I know, yeah, well, you know. It's <laughs> You're going to come there. So it was, a, it was our first foray into, uh, into, into curating work. So we had um, a duologue and um, a, a, a spoken word piece, which was kind of a monologue, I guess, but more kind of poetry than kind of narrative storytelling. And then there was a stand-up comedian as well. So Steph um, wrote a piece called Blue Lines, which Stephen saw, I'm sure. I'm putting you on the spot now. No, I didn't. Oh, see it. Sorry. <laughs> we, were, we were being judges we for the, ju- his yeah. award, so you've already got, you've got like, God knows how many shows to see. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't on my yeah. list. No. I it's would okay. have loved to. Of course. I will see you You're forgiven. Thank you. It will be on tour, I'm sure. <laughs> you actually look quite awkward now, which is brilliant. I, unfortunately, you can't see this at home. but I'm going to get you back on So, yeah, so, so Steph, um, she applied to the Hive, and we'll talk about a little bit about the application process. And um, we invited her to, so, so she, she sent in an initial um, like application, pitch, wasn't it? like a pitch, yeah. yeah. And then she got invited to a scratch night, which we'll talk a little bit about. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then she got chosen. And then you were mentored by Tim Firth, yes, um, wow. famous Tim Firth, yeah. Calendar Girls, and. The band, the band, the band. Kinky Boots. The band. Um, I reviewed the band, Frantitude. It was oh, very good. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's that's a relief, yeah. <laughs> I gave it five stars. I think. No, oh, it was, it was fab, wasn't it? He, he, Considering what a musical about take that could be, oh, yeah. I thought he did an amazing job. It could be so po faced, yeah. couldn't it? A musical, if, if, yeah, but it was really good fun and it really, really nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. It was brilliant. And turned it into a story about five women yeah. instead of a story about oh, five okay. men. Yes. So it was really clever change and one echoing the other. Mm. Did you go on press night when it opened in Manchester? Dropping no, there. I didn't. <laughs> but I had the weird experience because um, Tim got me like a, a seat, so I was in like the little house seat section. But there was oh, nobody else one. around me, <laughs> so I just looked like I'd gone to see the band, which was quite a sort of a, a like a celebratory Hindu-y kind of like woo party yeah. thing. I was just sat on my own in a row, and I kept having to tell what people around me because I felt like <laughs> such a dickhead. I was like, um, I actually know. And then I sounded like more of a dickhead because I was like, I actually know much. So I was like, I can't win. Just shut up. Shut up. Tim, I know Tim. I, know, I, could, I always struggle to contact. I would say Tim first. I don't know why. Yeah. It's just sort of like two syllables. Tim <laughs> exactly. I remember press night because of the curtain call. Take that came on and performed, mm, okay. and then just when you think that's quite a high bar, then Lulu came on. Ooh. What? <laughs> well, Lulu yeah. came on and did relight my fire with them. Then oh, people right. just were fainting. That was one of the rare yes. occasions when I actually stood up on the floor. Did you get your man bag? <laughs> yeah, man fan. <laughs> My fan was out. I was like, Lulu, Lulu. You've not seen his man fan, have you? <laughs> <laughs> he, he insists that it's, uh, <laughs> it's extreme. Sorry. Oh, just like to lie down. Just leaned against the thing. No sense, no feeling. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, just tell us a little bit. About, so we've, we've already had a bit of background about your um, acting mm-hmm. career. What made you think that writing might be a more satisfactory way of going about things than acting? It, it didn't follow on immediately. I think I just remember it was the probably the last audition that I went to, and it was for the bill, and I'd had like it was one line in the bill, and I hadn't even opened the bloody script, and I was annoyed because I was having to take a day off work, and I went into this room, and it was full of women who looked exactly like me, who were all absolutely <laughs> hammering that line, and I was like, that what moment. the fuck am yeah. I doing? Yeah. Sorry. That's right. Um, what the fuck You're am sweating. I doing? Yeah. You're I was just like, there's no, why am I doing weird jobs to support myself to yeah. do something that I actually no longer want to do? It was a proper, like, epiphany. What was yeah. the line? I don't know, because I didn't even bloody look at it. The line that changed your life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No idea. Probably just, 
what are you looking at or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, and it's but, actually really hard to focus. You know, when you just got one line. So sometimes it comes oh, up when oh. I do. Yeah, you do all this extra work. Don't sometimes, you? yeah. I haven't done it for a long time actually. But when you do, oh. yeah, yeah. You really when, invest oh in God, it, you, and it's, it's it becomes really hard to do it yeah. like just naturally just, yeah. because it's like this. You know, it becomes everything. It becomes the centre of your universe. This is the calling yeah. card for my career for the yeah, next year. Yeah, exactly. It's one line on the oh bill. Oh, my God. I'm, yeah. I'll have horrible. 20 cigarettes, please. I'll have 20 cigarettes. No, no, I'll, I'll have. have. I'll have. Please. I'll have to, yeah, and then you said that looking really weird. <laughs> exactly. And they're just like, you go, you take the whole day off work to go and do it. And then it's just like, thank you. You know, and off you go. So I was like, no. But um, I just, it, I didn't even think then. I think I got a really strong sort of, I don't know, popular thing to say about imposter syndrome I was just like oh this industry is not for me at all mm. I'm not good enough I cannot so I just went away from it and did the uh, thing of becoming a teacher which was everybody it, does right draw that out, was it that you weren't good enough or just that statistically it's kind of impossible it's like you're going to have 200 people like uh, I think for a line for the bill and yes. you think I could do this well you know of course I can do this yes. mm. this, is, this is a piece of piss yeah. But there's going to be another 20 people in the room and they're going to want a different shade of hair colour. So I won't yeah. be the person they pay. No, but I think at the time, you're, you just sort of say to yourself, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough mm. to do this. And I think the, the, the opportunities and the lines, and like you said, they all become so invested with things and you overthink things. That actually, I, I will be honest, I became not very good towards the end because I would spend so long in my head sort of mm. thinking about these just things. I just sign myself out completely, yeah. really. And you doubt yourself as well, don't you, when you, when you overthink. So, so, so that's the writing is a different kind of creative process, isn't it? Because you've got time, haven't you? You've mm. got time to get it right before you kind of present it to yeah. an audience. So is, is it that maybe that kind of made you think that writing could be more satisfying? I've just preempted that question completely. That's yes. a terrible question. So I just say yes. <laughs> yes, yes yeah. Yeah, there you go. Open question. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, yeah, but I didn't I didn't like I didn't come to it immediately. Like I, I went off and wandered into the sort of hinterland of teaching mm. for, you know, five or six years. Um, and then it was only when we moved to Manchester and I did a for the sake of needing to find a community in Manchester, not knowing anybody who, who lived up here, I did a writing course and some sort of short stories and things came out of it and the woman who runs the course and it is uh, you know I don't know can I advertise yeah, of course, yeah, 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 a yeah. really brilliant course called Write Like a Girl which is run by uh, Jane Bradley which is amazing who also runs For Book's Sake which is a great website championing women's writing um, anyhow so, so I did a course for books for book sake. Dot com dot co dot uk or something or just suppose you can just google it can't you sake, yeah, book, so for for yes right, yeah. for Books, yeah. And she sort of, when she was reading, she was like, "Oh, you've got you're really good with dialogue," and it just that sort of stuck with me. And I was like, "Ah, there is a lot of dialogue in here, and I will go for the dialogue in the Mm. story, and I will go for the characters." And I think I'm not so brilliant at plot and structure, but I I really am fascinated by character and dialogue and the sort of the quirks of people. So that was sort of what brought me round to writing. But I hadn't written any um, plays or anything sort of dramatic before the high opportunity presented wow. itself. It just sort of, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what, what was the spur to initially start the first piece of writing? So you, did, you got this feedback that you're great at dialogue. Yeah. So how does that translate into, right, I'm going to try something. Because Blue Lines was using your background as a teacher, wasn't it? Yes. So I had, it wasn't like from one particular thing, like I, I, I'd written a story about um, something that had happened during a sex education, well, a series of sex education workshops that I used to run at schools in Hackney and Brixton and, uh, yeah, so that, that was... Is that like a short story? That was a short story. Um, and it was sort of coupled with, um, it took me a long time to get pregnant. I'm quite open about talking about it. And we had to go through IVF to have our son. Um, so some of the idea for Blue Lines came from (coughs) sort of personal pieces of writing, again, journaling that I'd, I'd done. Um, and then I don't know. I don't know if it would even have existed if I hadn't seen the Hive opportunity. And it was a Saturday afternoon on, and it was on Twitter and I'd seen the episode of Columbo that was on the telly already. It was the one with the magician. If you've seen that one, you've seen the one with the magician. I'm sure I did as a child. You will have definitely yeah. seen it. And I was like, I've already seen this one, so I'm going to just look at Twitter. Um, and then I saw that, and I was like, mm, 
Oh, okay, this feels like the thing things are lining, not to be too sort of mm. like the alchemist about it, but it's like you don't don't ignore the omens, do you? They're there. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, like, okay. Mm. So um that's why I put the pitch together and that's why I sent it off. Right, so it really was the opportunity itself that yes. spurred you to, to, to write. It wasn't like you've got something sat on the shelf waiting. Or... No, 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 not at all. And I don't know whether those things would have worked together if it hadn't been that episode of Columbo, that scroll through Twitter, those things that were already in the tank kind of all came together, and then the reading about the hive and going, mm, okay. I had like very little contact with the theatre community in Manchester, not, nothing really. I'd done a few sort of spoken word nights, but they were very sort of self contained, and then just presented itself. Right. So I just sort of typed out the little pitch, sent it off. So you said so you sent your pitch was only about, I think it was just a page of A4 that we asked for, wasn't it? And then I think. Then, then we up, then we kind of sifted through them, and we found the ones that felt really interesting, like people who had really kind of clear ideas, which is mm. what we were looking for. It wasn't supposed to have been kind of written yet; it was all just an idea. And yours felt really strong, and so we asked them to see the first three pages, I think, yes. of the script. Yes. And I think the thing that really jumped out about your script, as a lot of the other scripts that we chose to kind of come to the scratch night was that your characters had really distinct voices. So you could put your hand over the character name and you would know no, who was saying. Right. Yeah, and it, and that's, that's an interesting test. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think it's really important because, uh, because the character voice, you know, because you had a, a student who was kind of a bit kind of cocky or whatever, mm-hmm. but in a fucking terrible dilemma, and the teacher who was just falling apart. Mm-hmm. And their voices on the page are very, very different, but, but they, they were different because they had different objectives as well. So... so it had those ingredients there that felt really, really strong right from the start. You know, mm-hmm. the, the characters' voices were really just distinct and they were coming from really specific... Um, they were coming from a really specific um, kind of place of objective. And so... Um, sorry, I'm just fiddling about yeah. on the screen now. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so th- those are the things that we chose. Okay. So then we invited you to the Scratch Night. So tell us a little bit about the Scratch Night. Um, well, that was terrifying because, as I say, I had quite a um, patchy relationship with the idea of performance. I didn't know well, anybody you it, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, in Manchester. So I was like, well, fucking hell, you're going to have to perform it. Because I couldn't... It wasn't like I could go through my huge Rolodex of actors and just sort of pull two people together. Fortunately, I do um, teach drama a little bit at a local school, so I managed to get a, a student to sort of perform it with me so we had roughly the right age range but it was um I think it was just what what was really helpful about the the hive as well was the kind of the pace of it if I'd like talking again about like what happened when I was acting in the past if if you give me too long I will overthink something but because it was just like all right okay now you've got to do it you've just got to do it so it's like okay okay didn't know what to expect Mm. didn't know anybody there everybody felt very sort of um Everybody was very lovely, but they all seemed to know each other. Yeah. But again, I just, I just, it, it, I was, I was really confident in what I'd written, um, and the teacher was based on me in many respects. So it was, it was a natural fit for me to perform it. But it was weird, actually. While I was performing it, I was, I could hear myself in my own head, sort of going. Oh, so you're having those doubts about yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Even while I was sort of performing it, but I felt really. um, Oh, it felt like a great release afterwards. It felt like there was sort of years of sort of uh, not performing or sort of doubting it. So it felt fantastic to actually have the ownership of performing my stuff on stage, which was not one line in the bill, which Mm. was not you know two lines in Hollyoaks. It was my uh, something that I had written and I hadn't really kind of made that link mm. until I did it actually mm-hmm. yeah so right. even uh, but afterwards I was like well that was nice uh, Steph so well done but also <laughs> you are terrible so now go home yeah right. you know I'm sorry but you just, weren't terrible talk, I, but, uh, no. anyway, we, we, yeah, but I mean you weren't terrible you were thank very, you but yeah. it just you, how you feel about yourself when you're performing yeah. things is sort of so we kind of got together afterwards and then we kind of um, you should probably be on the panel for it next year actually Stephen um, probably yeah because it's useful just to have like kind of you know heads together, isn't like it? Overview, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and maybe you could be on there as well. I'd love um, that. Yeah. So last year's winner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so good. Sash yeah. and my yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Handy over the crowd. I accept the hours. Can I just rewind a second? Yeah. We jumped over a little bit. You writing that pitch document. Yes. Because I think that's in oh, some right, ways yeah. the hardest thing to mm. actually try and get the ideas in your head. 
find a way of expressing them. That's you're also selling it, and you're mm. you're trying to make it appear. You're guessing what people want. Did you? I mean, did you just go with instinct? Did you do loads of like googling pitch document how to mm. write a? No, I went. I because I think at that point I wasn't taking it seriously. I was just like, you have to start doing. I I felt in myself. I was like, I have to start doing something. I remember making a bad joke about Mel Gibson. That's all I remember in it. <laughs> Maybe that's the key. <laughs> I think I made a bad joke about Mel Gibson in it. Was it sugar tits? What? <laughs> well, that was that was his famous that when he got arrested, he Sorry. called the, the the policewoman sugar tits. Wow, that's a bad move. <laughs> just been arrested. Mel, <laughs> that's not going to help, uh, is it? He was also quite drunk. Uh, no, <laughs> which I we shouldn't which we shouldn't be laughing at. It's a terrible thing to do. I think it was just something about uh, the film What Women Want. And it's not Mel Gibson or something. I can't remember oh, right, how I right, got round right. to it, but it was like basically it was the idea that the women should want the idea that women all all women want a baby, or want to get pregnant, or mm. want to experience that, which is absolute you know bollocks. But that was I think that was what the pitch. So the pitch was quite kind of fluid. It was like quite sort of freewheeling. It was quite chatty. Um, I think from my years as sort of having to teach English, I was like you probably should. Put in a rhetorical question or something. I don't know. I was like, come on, decency prevails, you know, put some things in. So, but I didn't, again. Quite conversational. Very conversational. Imagine having a conversation with very, And I was like, okay, I think the pitch should echo the tone of who my writing and what the piece will be like. Mm. So I didn't want to be too heavy about. Um, this is about fertility and issues in schools because that's not really kind of what I want it to be about. And that was one of the first bits of advice that Tim gave me was keep the comedy high. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so I was like, it could okay. be really dry that pitch, couldn't mm. it? Oh, really yeah, serious absolutely. and somber and yeah. big issues because they are big issues. Yeah. yeah. But it's how you approach them, isn't it, to engage people? Absolutely. So it was. It was, So the pitch was. No, I didn't research it. I. I. And I. I wrote it very quickly. I thought about it, I wrote about it very quickly, and I did that horrible thing that I hope we've all done where just before you send it, you sort of go, I did that, and then just didn't think anything. Well, I think it. questions are good in pitches, aren't they? To, you know, to, to pose questions that have some, some kind of resonance with the theme or the yeah. character dilemma. Well. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. About something that's in their minds already. Yeah, so I did want to, I wanted to raise the, that it would... Um, kind of touch on serious issues but oh look at my style of writing it's not going to be mm. too heavy there will be mm-hmm. jokes about yeah. Mel Gibson for example so yeah so the um, so it obviously worked whatever, whatever yes we should have that somewhere actually oh, yeah. oh yeah if I don't I'll, I'll see yeah, that I'll send yeah. it to you anyway, anyway. you might be um, nice to post it if you're happy with yeah, that, so yeah. People can yeah. See yeah. It. actually that would yes, be really good yeah. actually yeah. stick it on the, on the blog I think so because I think people kind of get a bit sort of again you get a bit sort of imprisoned in formality mm-hmm. like this is business or serious yeah. so I'm going to do it all kind of and actually maybe really it doesn't actually, yeah. Yeah. doesn't need to be like that and it's like I think what you what I've heard from what you said is that that real thing about having a conversation Starting a dialogue with a set of people rather than here are all my themes, here's yes. my experience, mm. here's why it's going to be great. Yeah. Mm. It's 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 it sounds like that's what engages yeah, yeah, yeah. that that yeah. someone just wants to talk to you about something that's yeah. really interesting mm. in a particular style. Yes, yeah. Because we all have to pitch, don't we? You know, part of the writer's job is to pitch and mm. sometimes you you know you know, I'm I'm bad at talking off the top of my head, you might not have noticed, but um <laughs> I think every podcast is <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Said that you should you should pitch your own idea as if it's a really great film that you have just seen. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I was like, okay, I can, mm. okay, I can. So, so I don't know whether that's. I suppose that's the sort of the energy that you're supposed to sort mm. of bring to it, and maybe that's more kind of face to face pitching than um, written pitches. I don't know. But I was like, okay, mm. I'll think about that. So once you'd um, so so you came came to the scratch night and then there was lots of really really I mean the standard was amazing actually How it many was people? so good we had I think um, we invited maybe fifteen people in total 15, so that so yeah. that so it was probably five from each discipline yeah um, so uh, com- five stand up comedians I think it was five, more than that you I know? think it might have been no I, I I think we maybe twenty maximum we didn't okay. because it was like well we got a, yeah, you know, we'll be there until midnight if we. So we so we limited it to something fifteen twenty maybe something like that, um, and then the standard was massively high. So you know, Laura Harper who who um, who won the Right for the Sage Prize for New Writing with a different piece. She kind of entered and she did a great piece as well. And so it was all up against um, you know. So 
you're all up against each other and the stand yeah. was really really high so we chose so we went with yours because we i guess it was you know it made us laugh but it also felt like it was you know it had a real dilemma at the heart of it you know you really in those opening pages you presented the dilemma you hadn't spent the first 10 pages just telling us about the world and like kind of telling us what we're gonna you know you just plunged us yeah. straight into the into the situation and that felt very very strong so it felt like the right piece to go with and then we so we then we paired you up with tim mm -hmm. first and so just tell us a little bit about so what was the first meeting like was it over the phone or over email or how did it kind of it, pan out um it was over email and um he it, you know he was just congratulations and it was his first bit of advice it was like before you even start writing I was like good he knows I haven't written it that's, 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 that's. Uh, he said just keep the comedy high don't feel like you need to sort of pander to the issue although you know there are obviously amazing pieces of dramatic writing that, that do kind of like have a more sort of serious tone to them but it's like you know keep the comedy high in yeah. the mix really uh, and then he just said um, yeah get in touch with your first draft and I was like okay wow. okay mm. yeah okay better get writing it but did he give you a deadline or anything um no I think what was really helpful though about sort of pairing me with um Tim as a mentor is that he he kind of trusted that I'd done the emotional work you know so he didn't delve too much into what the issues were he was there as a sort of a a, a craft mentor mm. if you see what I mean so yeah. there wasn't too much sort of open question he was like a really good uh, incisive not editor but sort of yeah he was very much about the material when it was written as opposed to sort of trying to coach me to write the material yeah so, I mean, he was like what give me the first draft so you trusted it. that you could write, and yeah. so, it wasn't, so it wasn't about kind of these are the things you need to include in a in a in, a, in your script or whatever. It was, he kind of trusted that you. Yeah, he was like, do do it. Uh, but I also say that the podcast, your podcast, was really helpful. Of course, because you know, I don't know. <laughs> but it's um, oh, you know, you just put the fifty quid there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, well, it was because I hadn't thought yeah. about. Um, I hadn't thought, I didn't think beyond each stage of writing it. So suddenly when Tim said, okay, well, do your first draft, I was like, okay, I I have, I watch a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't get to the theatre very often, but I feel like I've got a reasonable sort of theatre brain. And I was suddenly like, it's very different when you have to actually then sit and write it. And you're like, well, where do you start it from? And why do you put that in this? It, 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 you know, you sort of, Unless you're actually doing it, it all seems like it sort of organically happens. Mm. And then suddenly when you're the person that's supposed to make it organically happen, you realise that there's nothing <laughs> organic about it at all. <laughs> you have to sit and adjust. And You were saying earlier that you're, you you had a sense that, you, and the feedback you were getting was that you were really good at dialogue, mm. but it was plot and narrative that you were thinking, mm. so how did yeah. you go about getting that, you know, that proficiency in that area? When you're doing your first draft, you think, well, I'm telling a story now. How do I tell the story? Um, I think it was like very much like a lot of you know, the sort of shitty first, shitty first drafts. You know, when you sort of put everything out mm. there. So I, I really did. Well, I think it's really first, important right, to do a shit sort of, first draft. Isn't yeah. yeah, not that shit first draft, but it's really important just to splurge it all out. Yeah, I wonder how many people stop before they get to the shitty yeah. first draft because they start going, "This is terrible," mm. and actually you just have to kind of push through that, don't you? And Absolutely, keep yeah, writing. And, Otherwise, and you end up with like I, I've done it. I think when I first started writing, what I ended up with was like eight versions of scene one mm. and no version of the final scene. Exactly. So oh, is that not what you yes. do anymore yeah. then? <laughs> 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 oh, wow. But it's true, and I think also from from an acting perspective as well. Like I know from trying to find monologues for auditions and things, I was always like, oh, let's put some nice long monologues in it. Oh, mm. yeah, oh, lovely emotion and indulgent, <laughs> Russell Crowe moments all over the place. Da, 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 da. And then, you know, Tim would be like, yeah, you, you, no, get rid of those. You don't, don't need, not get rid of those, but it was like, come down or lose them because there's a reason why it's quite difficult to find really good monologues in plays. It's because they're quite difficult to justify. So my first draft was like I said, very emotional, lots of sort of characters, ex sort of expositional stuff, um, and almost completely written in a space of sort of three days, just on page, and then I just went, 
fuck it, just send it. Just send it, see what he says. And then yep. sort of went and cringed in my cupboard for a few days until he replied and went, this is really good. Let's lose half of it. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's it. But that's, that was, it was, it was good and right that he did that. So the, so how did you word that? Because that's quite a hard thing to deliver sometimes as, as, a, as someone who's giving feedback, isn't it? How, what words did he use if you could um, I think he sort of talked about, I think he sort of, we talked about sort of the, the monologues and he was like, he talked about trusting the audience as well as trusting the actors to be able, he said, give them some space. So give the actors space to kind of read the objective and the intention and give the audience space to make up their own minds about something. So a little bit like have a bit more trust in your own writing. Don't think you have to put it all on the page. And then I think on the other side of that, he said, just beware becoming too sort of almost like ping pong dialogue, too kind of mm. like Noel Cowardy, like everybody has an answer. Da 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 yeah. da 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 da. And he's like, you know, you allow for the awkwardness, allow for the sort of the non sequiturs to, to happen, allow for people to miscommunicate or just sit in silence for a bit don't feel like everybody has to. It's about rhythm, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and I suppose that's it. It's like it was my first attempt at sort of writing something. So I was kind of in love a little bit with me writing something. Um, such a wanker, but do you know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, I'm going to do some lovely emotional monologues. Oh, wow, that sounds great. And then also, oh, look at this witty repartee that I'm able to create. <laughs> you know, and, you know, it, it just wasn't, it was more interesting to kind of cut that. So he, so he, sort of said, you know, trust yourself a bit more as a writer, but also give your actors and your audience space to uh, make up their own minds. And then we right. lost about half of it. So it's like, okay. Literally okay. half of the length of it. Yeah, I think so. I think wow. it went, no, oh, I think it was about, uh, from about 55 pages to about, I think it ended up about 30 pages. Yeah, it was about that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yes. So that's quite brave of you as well, to, to accept that kind of level of... Um, to put that much trust in your mentor to um, to kind of to be yeah. right, I suppose you know that because that so to you know make those big cuts because that's mm. big cuts that's like yeah. almost fifty percent of what you've written, isn't it? But I think what what was sort of Tim was very careful to always make it about the actual craft of playwriting as opposed to sort of saying. Oh, we don't want to hear about your issues, yeah, yeah, yeah. or we don't want to hear about your uterus now. You know, he wasn't ever sort of. Um, dismissive of that mm. you know so the cuts that he made were, were kind of justified and I think there was did, did he make could, cuts did he make cuts on the on the page yes he did so he kind of gave me a, like a document that was feedback for overall which was talking about sort of trusting myself yeah. and giving space for the actors in the audience and then he kind of made some line changes all the way through and I was like holy smoke he's like I think he was in rehearsal for something as well at the time so I was like oh my god this is like he was incredibly oh. generous with his time actually yeah, he yeah, really must was. must have spent a long time on it. I know, it was getting towards, towards the end, I was like, I really probably shouldn't send in this draft anymore. This poor man is so busy. Uh, but yeah, it was really useful to see how that worked on the page. Um, and, and I think he's just, obviously, because he's written so much and he's obviously watched his own stuff so often and he's been in rehearsal rooms, he's just his sense of a shaping of a scene. And, you, you know, you could hear the beats sort of drop you know, in his version, much clearer than you could with my first version, which is, you know, as it should be. There were one or two um, changes that he suggested that I I thought were really funny. Probably, I never got a laugh when we actually did them, but it, even though it was me in the audience going, ha, 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 nobody else found it amusing. But I was like, it's a funny joke about cover supervisors or something, but I think there were one or two, and he was like, that's too specific. Yeah. You have to explain it to me. And I was like, oh, I really like it. <laughs> but he was right. Yeah. You know, there were... There were um, a couple of things in the, when we started rehearsing, there were a couple of things in the script that we... Because, you know, when you direct it, you really spend a lot of time with it, don't you? you know, with, with the words on the page. And there were a couple of things where it's just like... There, there were some little details that, that were very specific mm. to your experience of teaching. Yes, yes. But we didn't, re- we didn't really understand it in the rehearsal room. We were like, why is... So, so, so yes. for then, so we, we kind of um, sent that on to you as, as feedback. And you were like, well, just... Make it make yeah. sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. You know, you, 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 yeah, but no, you trusted us to kind of to to mould that. Do they, sort call of it, do they call them Easter eggs? Do they call it Easter eggs in films and in in script? It's like little kind of not not quite in jokes, but things that only certain um, communities will get. I think Sounds, they're called Easter yeah, eggs. I don't know. I've, I've you ever heard of, of that? that? 
I've only heard it in. A, I, th I think you're right because I've heard it in the context of old technology DVDs, where you would navigate in a, a weird way through the DVD, and suddenly there'd be like a hidden feature that would be revealed. But that's the idea yes. that it's privileged knowledge that you go hunting yes. for, yes. and then something's revealed. Oh, like to you if you do. Yeah. But then, in oh, fairness, well. even when I told my friends, I was like, "Can you just laugh at that line because it never gets a laugh?" And they, can, <laughs> they couldn't even bloody muster a laugh for it. Which and I was line? Like, God's was sake! Something about citizenship, which I always found really funny, and like nobody else did. Oh, well, but yeah, probably, like, if I was I doing do it now, I would just I would just cut it because it couldn't even get a like a laugh out but of that teaching crew. So but you have to you have to if you believe in it, you have to test it, don't you? Yeah. Like and you know, and in the first run. Yeah, if it doesn't get a laugh, yes. then you do get rid of it. But yeah. um, or you just keep it because it's a dramatic line rather than a funny line or whatever. Yeah. So when you get your, I'm just trying to picture you getting. You sent your first draft. You get this page of page of yeah. sort of general feedback, and then you're opening the document, and there's the cuts. Yes. Did you just go into this is Tim Firth? Everything he says is completely right. Or was there a bit where you said you resisted a little bit, maybe over a couple of comedy lines? Yes, I think initially I was like. This is Tim Firth. He knows absolutely what he's talking about. I agree with everything he says. And then when I went back into it, I was like, hmm. <laughs> so there was, but there was definitely a, a feeling that, and, and he was, he made great pains to sort of say, listen, these are my suggestions. This is not, mm, yeah. you know, this is not. And I was like, it kind of is that Tim, isn't it? Let's face it. Well, think... But no, he wasn't. He was like, you don't mm. have to, kind of bear. And then actually, I think as, as I sort of sent back sort of subsequent drafts. Um, I'd start kind of just sending smaller sections back to him. Because um, like he was banked bits so that you thought that's fine. Now, yeah. That sort of so he'd yeah. If there was there were a couple of scenes I think where he's like oh I don't know I can't I can't, I can't quite remember I I, I sort of learned because obviously he was in the back of a rehearsal room trying to kind of send me some notes back and things to kind of keep me busy keep me working keep me motivated as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he was really helpful. When we were talking about sort of theatre industry stuff with things like the blurb and stuff which I just I just couldn't imagine having to write it for myself I don't know mm. why but he was just really helpful with that even so he he was um yes like a very good mentor on a, on a kind of a, on a word level you know kind of looking at what worked and what didn't work with the characters do you remember when we did the MA and we had that um Lucy Kirkwood yes I do um, what, can you I remember, remember her model, can, yeah. Yeah, so she, um, she what, was the, what was that big piece she had in, in London? It's got an odd name, like Car Arcadia or something. Um, no, like it's um, Chimerica. Chimerica, Chimerica, yeah. So it's about Not the relationship okay. between China yeah, and America yeah. and the superpowers and Tiananmen Square and all of that. It's been, it's been to a, I'm sure it was on Channel 4, I think. Mm -hmm. Channel 4, oh, yeah. Yeah. A film. yeah. So she said something really interesting about feedback, didn't she? Can you remember? Her model was, and I thought this was really, really sane and sensible, Let's just see if I can remember it. I think I can. She said, first thing is to... And I think she was thinking as well, not just... I mean, you've got it in writing. Sometimes you don't get it in writing. Do you? Mm -hmm. Particularly if you're working with a mentor, you'll go and have a session with them and they'll tell mm -hmm. you stuff. She said, firstly, record everything mm -hmm. as fully and accurately as you can. Step number one. Step number two, think about the motivation of the person giving you that feedback. Uh -huh. Now, obviously, in the relationship you've had, you, you would trust that because it's a positive mentoring relationship, isn't it? Mm. But sometimes, obviously, you get feedback maybe from a reviewer or yes. um, a jealous colleague yeah. who may not have the best motivation yeah, in the world. So think about the motivation. Or they just want you to turn it into something that you don't want to turn it into. Mm. Secondly, think about what you do and don't agree with. Uh -huh. And then she said this interesting thing, that even if you agree with some of the suggestions, think about whether you actually still want to make that change. Right. Because she said sometimes they might be making helpful suggestions in terms of, you know, a particular scene, but you're thinking, yeah, that, that puts two more laughs in there and I can see those work, yeah. but actually I'm not writing a comedy. I don't want those, those laughs. Yeah, so, but yeah. I think that, that gets the wrong tone. Yeah, yeah. And so then, you know, after you filtered that, then only at that point decide to make the change. Mm. Wow. So that's quite, yeah, quite a lot to go through yeah. before so. you actually say, now I'm going to do it. But actually, it's quite helpful to have that kind of um, process explained to you by a fellow writer, isn't yeah. it? Because, mm -hmm. um, because but she was, to be fair, she was talking. She wasn't talking about when you're in a mentoring relationship, because I think you could you'd uh, shortcut that. Yeah, you trust the motivation, you trust that they're able. She was talking about just any, you know, when you're just you know getting feedback from an audience night, a scratch night, you know, a 
any any a much broader sense of feedback. Yeah. But I thought that was that was really helpful for me because mm. I thought actually you don't just have to rush to agree with everything no. someone mm. says about your piece. You can, but equally, no, it stops you getting defensive because yeah. your job with them face to face is just to get an accurate view of what they think and record it. Yes. Mm. So you're not saying no, but no, but no, but when yeah. someone's trying to tell you something. Yeah. So you're not interrupting. Yeah. You just yeah. let them. You're right because you can also feel as as the sort of the mentee. It's not a powerless position because it's your work, but you can feel quite vulnerable perhaps mm. as well. Definitely, so. Yeah. Um, and if um, it had been a maybe a different writer who might have questioned my, you know, various things that happened to the teacher that were sort of slightly based on experience and her response to it, if I got somebody who maybe said, well, I don't think that that character would respond that way. And then because it was quite a, a personal subject matter, you end up being ultra defensive. Well, actually, this is, you know, and, and it becomes more about... Uh, the emotions attached to it and the actual kind of the yeah. crafting of it. Mm-hmm. But Tim was really careful about that, so yeah, yeah it was very helpful. So you got a draft together, didn't you? And then then you actually brought a piece. We brought well, you you kind of came on to, to, to join the progression course that was already running. Yes. And then you bought, you took something to development week, didn't you? Yes. Uh, uh, and yeah. so tell us a little bit about how the feedback you received at development week helped to kind of mould it into its next inception. Um, well, it, I mean, it was it was hearing it actually being spoken outside of my own head for the first time by actors who were had read it and we had like a little practice of it. But it was it was a, so helpful in hearing what worked and what didn't work because, and it was a little bit about control because when I first sort of heard them perform it, I was like, oh, that's that's not how it sounds in my head. So the second stage for me was to go, well, that's not how it sounds in my head, but that's actually okay. And what can I take from that? Instead of constantly wanting to sort of, you know, quite old fashioned sort of form of directing of going, no, this is how I'm going to say the line. And then you're going to act and you're going to say it that way. It's sort of like, it was really helpful for me to say, actually, it's not ever going to sound exactly as it does in your head. So step away. Um, So I think that was the most useful thing. And also that ability to kind of, mediate between the audience's response to it and the actor's reading of it but also my response to it as well and kind of going okay well what works just again sort of what we're talking about mentors just because the audience didn't get that bit does that mean that bit has to go or is it in the delivery it's sort of adding another layer more, yeah. exactly so it was really useful just to hear it aloud sort of spoken aloud and there's something there's something about having an audience there as, as well isn't it it makes you much more sensitive to the writing doesn't it yes and, and so when, because if you've had an opportunity to, to have your piece read in front of an audience before it becomes a production, you get that opportunity to to have that sensitivity. There's nothing worse than the audience walking in and it's like never been tested before. So I've done that before. And then you just sit there cringing all the way through thinking, what, why did I write that line? What the yes. fuck was I doing? It's just, it's weird having yeah. that other eye on it suddenly yeah. makes... It, all your kind of choices really apparent and really, yeah. really sensitive to them. So strange. Um, and I, I suddenly became aware for the first time that actually it was a very, a very female play. And I don't know why that had not occurred to me before. Well, it's two women yeah. and, and pregnancy. So <laughs> I know. But it just didn't. I think yeah. it's because it was so, uh, kind of an experience that was so close to me that I hadn't really... I don't know. God, that's interesting. I live yeah. in a bubble, don't I? But that's but good it's... because you didn't write it because you wanted to write a women's piece because no. th- because that's kind of lacking in theatre or whatever. You wrote it just because it was true to you, and, that, and but that's what came out of it. So yes. So you didn't write it because you wanted to fulfil a a, no, a, a, no. a pigeonhole. You wrote it because it was emotionally true to you. Yeah. I think we all just I mean scripts. I think in order to write, you have to disappear into your head, don't you? And you have to keep characters and situations that are all imagined floating. And have these different, you know, people in your head with their own motivations and feelings and thoughts and patterns and find a way then of articulating mm. that in words. So you, it is very insular. Yeah. And I think then to, I always, like, as soon as I've got a first draft, even if I haven't got a complete first draft, get actors around the table and do a table read. Mm. Because that immediately gets, you immediately just get what what lands, what's overwritten. And I'm not afraid to give them alternate versions of the same scene yes. or give them, you know, I've got, at the moment the play I'm writing, First Empire, I think we've got four different openings and we kind of, are all completely different and we tried yeah. out all of them and you yeah. immediately thought, oh, two of these are crap. <laughs> well, I don't know. But does it, does it, 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 it
the eventual performance because you feel like you've already kind of had a performance of it. It's mm. already out there. I think, it's moved beyond the page, so you feel like, okay, now we can move beyond that. I think it, it just it takes you out of your head. Yeah. It stops it being in that sort of solipsistic thing, and it connects it to other people's creativity. Yes. And then you see what they bring. And I, I struggle exactly, because that table read is always the point where I have that thing of, it's not how you would say the yes, line. Yes. And you just let them say the line yes. and it either speaks or it doesn't, it sings or it doesn't, and you know what to do with it afterwards. But yeah. don't, you can't do the whole, no, the intonation's there, no, no, stress is there, what are you doing? That's not the happen. You just have to let it go and yes. see what happens. Yes. I'm impressed with the word solipsistic. Yes, that was That's very, very good. good. <laughs> but he's doing a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> just means living in your own world. I know what it means. Do you? <laughs> I do now. Anyway. <laughs> so back so back to um, so that so the so from so I mean it's part of the development, isn't it, to kind of take it in front of an audience and to take it in front of other writers and to share that work in front of other writers. Um, so that when you kind of when you get to the point where the audience are walking in you feel a little bit more confident that the piece works. Yeah. I think, don't you? So so um, did you do the written feedback thing? Because you're really good at getting the audience to do written yeah. feedback. Yes. Right? Yeah. So what? What you, you, so you've got? You're presumably sat there getting a sense of yes how the audience have taken it at a kind of um, empathetic level mm. by being in the room. But then you've also got, got these the, bits, of, bits paper of paper telling you yes. And that was quite um, that was quite it was quite interesting because people were sort of were very positive about it, which was lovely. Um, um, and their general feeling was. They thought it was really interesting, but they, they, they're sort of, they were kind of quite specific about the character. They were like, they weren't sure whether that character would react at that point like that. And that was really interesting, having it from somebody that I didn't even know, mm. you know, that had no relationship with the script, who hadn't read any sort of drafts, who didn't know me, to say, um, weren't sure whether, and I think there was something about, some of it was, I think, because it mentions two scans in the piece. Because, you know, when you're pregnant, you have your scan when you're about three months and you have one a bit later on. But they kind of, that was, they found that confusing because they thought they were referring to just one scan when it was referring to two scans. Oh, so just showing the, the passage of time. The so, yeah, but yeah. it's really interesting what people kind of hang on to, isn't it, sometimes? Mm. And that's like, that's, that was something that had really bugged that person. Yeah. I was like, okay, mm. well, I need to clean that up. I think, so I think it was yeah. useful for that, actually. It made me kind of really... Um, take off any fuzzy edges it's we're both members of this um gay men's writing group called fanballs and one of the things that came through from the reading we just did is that people because my pieces have traveled through time yeah. it's like how do you tell people when you are mm. yeah and if people don't know when they are and where they are it kind of derails them from yes. engaging with the scene because they're just like I, is this three months later six months later yeah, I don't yeah. know so how have you done it um, I'm still trying really to solve that. <laughs> yeah, so here we are. <laughs> oh, it's winter now. Oh, no, I'm in Egypt. 18, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It was, it, I mean, is it just because you're using like a Greek chorus um, device, aren't you? Really? Yes, I suppose I am. And so that is, you know, that, that is kind of naturally kind of expositional, isn't it? it but it's a good shortcut, I think. Yeah. When you've got to move around a lot and there's lots of it. You can either have, you know, two pages trying to subtly establish that you're in Vienna and yes. it's 1837 without... Someone hitting you know, yeah. a panetto. Or holding up a paper, so 1837, yeah, yeah, yeah. which might work in some things. You yeah. know, if, you're doing, if you're doing just a comedy thing, you can yeah. do things like that. Um, wrecked. <laughs> yeah, but actually I think the choral thing, where you've got um, five people who can just say... Yes. Just hold up a document and say, this yes. is it. And hand it to mm. someone and say, you are now. And they Best become. Gone, yeah. Then you can just get it straight into the heart of the scene yeah. rather than lots of bloody boring stuff telling you all yes. the stuff that you can just say. You can yes. just say where and when. Yeah. And it's a, you know, theatre is an imaginative act. Yeah. So if you say it's Vienna in 1837, people okay. are just say, like, Okay, that's fine. Well, because I know. Mm. Yeah. I've got it. Yeah. That. You, you, that was uh, one of your directorial masterstrokes, wasn't it? With was showing it? the passage of time through the teacher... You know, through that repetitive act of changing the date and changing oh, right. yeah, the, yeah. just writing know, the date just, on the board, just simple thing. Just make it really like, simple. Yeah. Okay, that that is something that happens. You know, 
Because the work we that was established was quite different. We spent a whole afternoon working out the, the timeline of the play. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. But it's really good. It's really useful. And what was lovely about that rehearsal process was that the actors were off book before we even started rehearsing, yeah. which was brilliant because it meant that basically we, we'd been rehearsing for two days and we got, we'd already got through the whole play. And right, really? it, what blocking it, it, you mean? Like? We're not really block. I don't really block, but... but right. I, Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, just tell me about on stage yeah, you'll be yeah, fine <laughs> well no I trust the actor to not you know to, to, to not to, bump into the furniture yeah not to bump into the furniture but I mean these were brilliant act- these were excellent <laughs> actors they were great and, and yeah. so what was brilliant so we by the end of the kind of first three days we kind of worked through the whole piece and we kind of you know it had kind of evolved into a block you know you know um, but you know um but I wanted it to just kind of just find itself, do you know what I mean? Which is yeah. how I kind of tend to work. I think with a two-hander, when it's a unit yeah, yes, yeah. intensity, that yeah. can happen. I think when you've got ten people on the stage, yeah, obviously you've got to say you, for example. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, with, a, with, a, with small casts, it kind of finds its own shape, I think. And um, says the lazy director. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Someone can't be asked. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, no, I do it. No, if, I do, if I need to do it, I'll do it. But I, I prefer the actors just... I think you can trust the actor's instinct, really, you know, because actors know how to do it. And if they, if they don't, that's when you kind of jump in. And, yeah, sure. But anyway, so um, what was lovely, because they were, they were off book before we'd even started. Um, we had l- Nicole um, Evans and Jenna Sharn O'Hara, O'Hara, who were both brilliant, great, yeah. really, really great. Just really threw themselves into the, into the rehearsal process and were very... You know, both of them were very playful and we did lots of stuff to kind of get them being silly and getting them being, um, fine, you know, loosening it up physically and all that kind mm. of stuff. And so, yeah, so, so one, one of the lovely things that we had when in this rehearsal process was time to kind of really kind of pull it apart and like, well, and we did it, you know, and it took a whole afternoon to get mm. to find the right timeline. But that's what, so just writing the date on the board and then rubbing it out was, was useful because that, that, then you didn't have to say this is three months later. Or, yeah, or I'm just I'm, I'm in favour of that. Just tell, just say yeah, that yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, because I think sometimes we pussyfoot around it, don't we? And we kind of well, we, we, try we end up writing a page of dialogue just just, to, just so we can say yeah, that it's probably it's, not yes. very good dialogue. Yeah, yes. just to establish where and when we are. Yeah. Well, talk for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was talking for both of us. so. Can I ask a question? You can. So, did you choose Mike? direct this and was it significant to you um, whether Mike had gone through parenting whether he was man or woman was any of that relevant um, or did you just think he's a great director it's fine um, Mike was part of the hive so I yeah so 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 you got I had greatness forced upon me (laughs) did you have any reservations about having a gay man director Uh, no I didn't because I think at that point like I don't think it should make any difference. I'm just exploring the issue. No, 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 I know what you mean. And I know that you sort of, yes, because sort of both my mentors in that sense were were male and it's sort of talking about something that's sort of very female experience. But also I'd say sort of things like with IVF, as soon as you start talking about it, everybody's been through it. Not everybody, but or somebody will know Mm. somebody who's been through it and has seen kind of how just fucking tough it can be. Mm -hmm. So um, did I have any reservation? No. And also I've sort of, learned quite early on that Mike had also been a teacher and had had various uh, incredible no classroom <laughs> escapades that we bonded over, yeah, I think, yeah, just, yeah. just how yeah. incompetent we were as teachers. I think not incompetent, but... Maybe no, no, yeah, incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> Would the whole thing about like whether someone was a parent and had gone through that process of becoming pregnant within a relationship or outside of a relationship, however... I know, that's interesting, isn't it? Because then you wonder whether actually any, if... if Tim had or had been sort of female. Whether the play as uh, would have changed in matter, mm. maybe the comedy would have been different in it. I don't know. It's difficult. So because I, I, I mentored you as well later on, didn't I? After the so, so what was different different about the the maybe the advice I gave you to the advice that Tim gave you? Because I, I I saw all of the feedback that Tim gave you, yes. so I was just basically trying to reinforce that. But I suppose inevitably I probably stuck my own oar in as well. No, I think what was good at that point was because when I wrote it, and I, when I first wrote it, I, I listened to the podcast a lot, so I was very clear on things like objectives and intentions and, and wants and the problem with the world and all the great stuff mm. that you, you talk about so wonderfully and lovingly every, every time. <laughs> um, and then 
I did sort of focus so much at sort of the word level and the craft and how to make it kind of interesting sort of dialogue with Tim. It was really useful was that you then came back in and sort of said, well, the objective here has been lost. So it wasn't that I was sort of superimposing the objectives on it, it was there, but it just maybe got fuzzed a bit in the pursuit of a nice laugh or mm. a, an interesting moment. And I think that was, you made me go back and look at it again and go, well, hang on would she uh you know is, is i'm not clear about the emotional truth there i think that was the thing that you said and i was like okay i'm gonna go back and look at that and yeah because i yeah. think because so it was good at that point you made me go back and sort of say i think there was a scene where she's just she's had a bit of a set to with the head teacher or the deputy head outside and she yeah. comes in and you were like she's very relaxed and even though she's not very good at her job nobody really wants to lose their job or be mm. in trouble at work. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna leave a job, you wanna leave it yourself. You don't want to be fired, right? So you were like, she needs to come in with that kind of agitation. Yeah. And that changed instead of her coming in and being just like, oh, you know, I've had a terrible conversation with that idiot. And that was, you know, and that then led the scene to go in different directions, which it wouldn't have kind done of otherwise. Yeah, yeah, rather than it being quite sort of nice, these two women bonding over this pregnancy you know suddenly it introduced a different energy to it which was good yeah. so i think that was like maybe slightly with you sort of director's head on as well you were looking at it and going well how would this actually look on stage mm. yes that is a nice line and that's funny and great but to stop the scenes from sort of bleeding into one another a little bit you kind of said okay in this scene she needs to have a bit more of a rocket up her ass about this conversation <laughs> that she's had mm. okay go you know so that was I think that was about sort of reassessing the kind of the emotional truth of it was very useful yeah because I, I remember I think I remember reading a draft and you know because we'd obviously had conversations about the about your experiences in teaching my experiences in teaching and your um, experience with IVF and all that kind of thing, right. and and I think that was one of the things that was kind of there, but it wasn't, you know. But it was like, well, you know, when we talk about it, kind of face to face, you you're telling me lots of really kind of emotional, really, you know, mm. you're being emotionally real, and it wasn't necessarily no. coming through in that character. And then when you went back and you put yourself back in her shoes, it re- the, the, the came back really out, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, and that was interesting because. I, I then I went back to sort of not to my original journals but I'd, I think it was that morning and I dropped my son off at school and as I'd walked back a woman had said to me oh you want to get going on number two soon because don't hang about on having number two and it was just like jaw dropping because it's like and, and that was really number useful number two for me. child I number think. two yeah, child not number yeah. two no, yeah. don't forget that I think it's second draft of the play <laughs> 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 everybody's aware of it you like you know you need to you know don't hang around you want to be getting on and it's just like it just it, it you're like God, have I not done enough you know I've got one so that was really weirdly again not ignoring the omens going back and then sort of going like how I felt in that moment that woman kind of being really personal and also people think they can they don't know it's extraordinary really yeah. I mean particularly yeah. I mean I don't have kids and I'm a gay man but watching the the, the child yeah. culture and go, yes. seeing my friends go through having kids, IVF, adopting, mm. all options. All the options. There's an extraordinary set of things. You yeah. just think, oh my God, people yes. have to go through some incredible and then emotional to scenarios. To people just say, well, don't, are you not trying? Yeah. Like, do you want to know about yeah. that? Yeah, let's know. Personal, let's talk about this. So yeah, that was, but it was really, it came at the right time for me to go back into those scenes and go, oh God, how shit did I feel a lot of the time mm. having to kind of, justify it not happening and everything and that really helped me get back into that yeah. so thank you anonymous woman at school gates well so, sometimes yeah the, the, the universe yeah. sends us these messages doesn't it and, and we kind of choose to recognize them mm. don't we mm. Stephen, have you ever been mentored perhaps you should um, have happened. <laughs> <laughs> um i don't think i've been in, in the sense of having a formal mentor applied to me mm. uh, you through know, the through, through scheme, but but if effectively, mm. you know, mm. you know, if you think of the MA and the kind of role that Louise Page, who, who taught, you know, privilege that um, she taught us, um, that was very much in reality a lot of what was useful about the relationship with Louise was that she would sit with you with a laptop and a script and, right. and just be going through saying, yes. no, you've written, you know, that you've why you've written the same line twice, what's happening mm. there, mm. that doesn't need to be there. She think was very this. good There's at no that one's opinion yeah. image, mm. you know, she'd give you that kind of feedback. Yeah. In the moment, she was really excellent on a one-to-one basis, wasn't she? she? she, You know, because she, you know, she invested in 
in the piece. And she immediately got it. One of those yeah, people yeah, who can yeah, read the script it and, like, and they know exactly what you're trying to do and right. can see how you're not quite doing it yes. and just give you the right point. Sometimes that's what it's like. I think ment- the mentoring role sometimes can seem quite ephemeral or quite, um, not hubris, but sort of quite emotional. But actually... Sometimes a mentor, you need somebody who's just dead incisive, and yeah. like mm. you said. Like I love that. I just like, yeah. I don't, I, don't uh, I, I like sitting with someone who can just say, read the scene and go, this, this, this. Yes. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, I Not, like, you oh, know. how did you feel when, yeah, you, yeah mm. no. How are you finding the writing process? Uh, just tell me, tell me what works in this scene and what doesn't. <laughs> you just, it, it, you know, when they start <laughs> with that, there's, there's bad news coming down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just gearing up, aren't yeah. they? But I think it's also helpful, <laughs> maybe there's something for you to think about as well, about what, Having been mentoring at um, Steph there. Yeah, sorry, I was pointing at Steph. Sorry, I'm not on. I've got to. I was, I was going to vocalise my point. Um, <laughs> what having been mentored, if you now come to mentor someone, what kind of lessons do you think you've learned from from Ooh. being Ooh. having had the process? That's yourself? a good question. I know. I'm good at this. Oh, 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 glad you're back. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think, like, I think you have to gauge the person. Like, I think with. Tim, he, I, I needed that sense of like accountability. I don't think I would have written it on my own. And I think that with... Uh, so I needed that external presence almost. Um, so I think a, a good mentor should always be somebody who is who checks in, even if it's just a, a, an email once a week to kind of not nag, but just say, how are you getting on? Have you got something for me to, to look at? Um but I think I would hopefully, I think because I would learn through it as well, I would like to be a, a mentor who is quite uh, concise, but also quite practical, like you said, like looking at the script and almost like a, a, a toolkit mentor, I think. Mm. Um, I think you have to be careful when you're talking about sort of people, sort of, uh, if they're writing about something that's emotionally close to them, particularly. Mm. Um, I mean, when, when you were talking about emotionally close being emotionally truthful, you weren't commenting on what I'd experienced, you were commenting on that in a sort of a theatrical fashion, which mm. is fine. But I think I would like to think as a mentor I would be present and accountable. Um, and I think I would hope to be one of those mentors that is like absolutely about what's on the page rather than questioning somebody's background and the, the reasons and their motives mm. for writing. I'd be like, yeah. what can we see on the page? I think. And what about the mentee? Um, I think Ooh, what I think that was oh my gosh if we, were talking, if we were talking to Tim so what was that like um, what would he say what would he be saying right here um, I think a good mentee should be patient because if you've got a good mentor they're probably going to be busy yeah that's mm-hmm. so very true please don't be the person who's like have you looked at my team um, <laughs> after two hours after two hours <laughs> why didn't you call me I sat there yeah exactly <laughs> um, and I think a good mentee I think what you said earlier about was it Lucy Kirkwood's model of being so that's I think that's really interesting so like check your defensiveness at the door if you can justify why you're keeping something in or why you want to see if something works fine um, but just be careful that it's not it doesn't become a kind of an attack and defence relationship I'd say I think it's really useful to have to take notes while you're getting feedback because it stops you from kind of just answering straight because you know yeah. a, lot, a lot of the time you know the, the, the types of feedback that you get are posed as it's posed as a question isn't it like what were you trying you know is that is that character achieving that objective yeah. Or yeah. and and so um, I make notes when when it's happening it because, separates because it from it, the tone of somebody's speaking as well doesn't it if it's on paper because mm. sometimes you hang on to something because of the way that somebody said it and sometimes you just need to think. You think, well, maybe yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And then they're on to their next comment. Yeah. And, and you, your brain's, if you're still there, you're not listening to the next yeah, comment. But you, yeah. If all your task is, is to listen. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I don't think you should, I mean, most of us have ways of recording stuff on our phones, yeah, don't yeah. we? Yeah. I don't think you should, find, you know, it's perfectly fine. Obviously, ask the person permission. Yeah. But I think recording it can be really helpful. Yeah. Yes. To like yeah. have a good, accurate record of what mm. they actually said. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Like this, yeah. I think the other <laughs> I've mentored people uh, and kind of supervised sort of um, MA script writing stuff and one of the things which is effectively one to one it's like a mentoring relationship really one of the things I'm really happy for people to disagree with my feedback but I like to know why yes, mm. yes. otherwise it just feels like it's ignored yeah. so you can come back and say oh you know I understood what you were saying there but that's not really the direction I want to go in. I want to mm, go and do that. Mm. Or I've actually think it's quite justified that the character's not in that scene because of this. Yeah, fine, that's fine. absolutely. I'm just chucking ideas at you. But when you just 
there's not that engagement, and mm. it's just ignored. Then you think, are you really listening to anything I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, well, and also it makes it difficult for you then to know as a mentor what route to take with yeah, that yeah. person. So maybe you know, the, the, being a, a good mentee is a, you know a useful skill to develop as well because mm. you know because it might because because for some people it might be oh my god I just can't I don't feel like I can speak back I, I, I can't respond to that I just have to take it on board and I'll ignore it if, if, it, if I don't want it or whatever but it does feel very odd if you've spent time kind of reading reading and giving and, feedback and then it's just completely ignored so that's that's so maybe it's all about learning how to be a good mm. mentee as well yeah well and and you know I think in writing relationships you kind of you want to you know we're always going to be both aren't we we're mm. always going to be learning and we're always going to be teaching yeah so yeah. it's it's understanding both sides of it mm. and I think also if you're mentoring someone if if they're telling you what they disagree with and don't like about your feedback that's great because then yes. you know what to focus on more yeah. in terms of the next set of feedback on yes. the next round yeah. you think oh, well I understand what you're doing with that now yeah. maybe not what I would do with it but that's absolutely fine mm. so let's focus on where you're going with it yeah. and how yeah. I can help you get that mm. but if you don't get the feedback as to what they disagree with as well as the oh the feedback was so helpful isn't it wonderful mm. yes then you, you yeah. kind of miss that's you, a you, yeah, miss a focus. You yeah. miss, but you miss what what they actually want to focus on, and how you can be most helpful. I think. Yeah. Because no mentor really wants to rip someone apart and just kind of leave them no. bleeding on no, the pile. No, it's developmental, it? isn't it? It's, yeah, it's yeah. about making them, making, not making. That's the wrong word. That sounds too didactic. It's about helping them, isn't it? Engage in a process of self development. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds nice. And a good place to end. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, yes. So, um, thank you very much. Um, yeah, really you've been really interested. I think there's, yeah. you've said some really, really useful stuff there. So Just tell us a, a little bit. Are there plans for Blue Lines? Um, I am thinking of it's, it's with a couple of agents at the moment. Right. Um, I am thinking of adapting it into a radio play. I think it might be like, yeah, yeah, radio. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the moment, I'm working on some uh, romantic erotic fiction. Just as a bit of a... Just a little change. <laughs> so yes, that's... A bit the, of porn. A bit and, of porn. And if people want to know more about your work, what social media do you do? Uh, Nefney Writes. So N-E-F-N-Y writes dot com. Say that again. Nefney. 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 And, and I know spell it's in the N-E-F-N-Y. Nefney. Nefney Writes. So, I know you... And on Twitter and as well. Nephew writes. writes. What's that? Where, where is that on any uh, web, That's website. That's my website. Oh, right. Nephewrights.com. And at Nephew Writes. Is Twitter. Twitter. God, I'm really useless at that sort of thing. Yes, that's it. That's my handles. <laughs> okay, great. Well, people would like to follow you, I'm sure, if I know yeah. what you're up to. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. So, if. Um, if anyone at home has got any questions that you want us to ask future guests, or if you have questions about playwriting um, or production, then please get in touch. So you can send us an email at podcast at writeforthestage.co.uk, or you can get in touch with us at Twitter, which is at writeforthestage. Four is the number four, so write for the stage. And um, we're also on Instagram as well. Um, and Stephen, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, um, I'm just at Stephen with a PH M for, for money. <laughs> I think right. I haven't oh, got. Money I think I haven't got. <laughs> Stephen Money Well, I think you just developed a, a new tag for yourself. <laughs> that was just the theme of my morning with the bank. Um, and, uh, or uh, at Ink Brew Productions. Ink Brew. I N K B R E W Productions. Or one word. And that's on Twitter, isn't it? It's on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, is it on Instagram as well? And of course, Facebook. of course, I follow you. Of course. <laughs> 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 Thank you very much. Thank Great. you. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>